I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to another one of our old school podcasts. I'm Chief Rick Lassie, along with my buddy, John Salka. Um, and your, your chiefness, John, um, you know, with everything going on and, uh, uh, you know, we, you know we, with all our different shows and we, we, we faced uh, the whole coronavirus thing a little while back, it's still kind of going on. Um, you know, uh, how, how are you guys, I mean, you know, I, I, let's talk training, I guess. How, how are you guys... Uh, how are you making it? Are you guys doing the, you know, a lot of people are doing the uh, online stuff and so on and so forth. Uh, what, I guess two things, John, you know, first with the volley department where you're chief, how are you guys accomplishing training needs right now? And, um, and uh, you know, for some of the career departments, I've got a couple of thoughts there. What are you guys doing at South Bloom and Grove? Well, actually we're doing nothing, you know, uh, I must admit, I'm, we're not happy about it, but um, we, we have a small crew and uh, as a result of the, uh, uh, the virus pr uh, precautions, we are, uh, they're not sending us to a lot of the medical runs because we basically don't have EMTs. We get a lot of basic, uh, basic first aid people, but um, so we're not, we're not really going on a lot of EMS runs. And then we're going on a few fire calls now and then, you know, smoke and this and that. Uh, outside of that though, we have closed the firehouse. The firehouse is not open and that's something a volunteer fire department can do. We closed the firehouse. The firehouse is closed. I mean, it's certainly accessible. Everybody's key still works. You can go in if you want to, but we don't want groups of people in there. We really don't even want two people in there. I said, there's no reason for anybody to be exposed to anybody else. A lot of the folks that uh, that volunteer there have worked or still do work somewhere else. And uh, so, so along with closing the firehouse to all social occasions and everything else, we also are not having our Wednesday night drills and our rig checks. We're still doing the rig check, and the company officers have uh, – the company officers have, have figured that out and they have each taken an apparatus and they go down there at one point during Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, normally it was Wednesday night, but they try and just have one of them in the building at a time checking a rig. They'll check one rig and then send a, uh, an email out that the rig was checked and everything was good. If it needs something like fuel or whatever, that, then we work that out. But uh, basically training has gone by the wayside right now. And I don't like to say that, but uh, Realistically speaking, in a small volunteer department with just a handful of people that are active and with the restrictions from the the, uh, the coronavirus, we're doing nothing right now other than, you know, when we go on a run, we come back, we might talk about something very briefly, all standing outside the firehouse, you know, six feet away from each other and all that. It's very debilitating. All these um, precautions are very debilitating to uh, to running training. So uh, we just we just hung it up for now and we're going to see, you know, see how long it goes. Well, and you know, and everything makes sense now with uh, the coronavirus and, and trying to distance yourself. And if we're going to tell people to practice social distancing, then we need to be doing ourselves. You know, obviously for the shift guys, when you're in a firehouse, 
you know, there's ways to accomplish that. But I mean, you're, you're in a firehouse and it comes down to also, uh, you know, a big part of what they've been saying is, you know, John all along is number one, the whole good hygiene thing, you know, keeping yourself clean, washing your hands, wearing masks when you're out in the public, obviously, you know, that we, we've, we've already talked about it and, uh, on a, you know, a couple other times during this about, you know, what do you do and, and how do you, how do you respond to calls and so on and so forth. But, you know, and for a lot of, I know a lot of volunteer departments have had to do the same thing, John, where they've just had to say, look, we, we just can't have the guys and gals up at the firehouse right now, you know, h- hanging out and, and all that. And, and, it, it, and God, it's so hard, especially for a volley who's into it, that loves hanging out at the firehouse. It, it's such a difficult time for everybody um, when, when you think about it. But, all right, so that being said, that some places have, have had to place those restrictions, and understandably so with everything going on. You know, John, there, there's so much out there. We've talked about this before because, we're you know, let's talk about do you train. I guess that should be our topic. <laughs> there you go, do you train. Um, you know, there's so many different avenues, I guess it is, buddy. You know, I mean, we've talked about fire engineering's uh, – uh, video streaming library, which is absolutely freaking incredible. Um, uh, and I'm not trying to do a promo for it. I mean, if I, if I was a train officer, uh, again, John, you know, I was the one that used to, you know, and I've said this before, um, you know, back when we had VHS tapes, you know, it was always, okay, who's got the tape or, you know, I used to be one of those guys that made copies of them until I found out the FBI frowned on that, you know, I mean, and then, uh, you know, then you go to DVDs and, and, you know, it's like, like your DVDs at home, you open up the case and where's disc number two? Well, it's in the little mermaid box or something. And you try and try sharing that with multiple stations or buy multiple copies. So a while back, fire engineering even came up with the video streaming library, which I know you're familiar with. Uh, some of our listeners may not be, but you know, for a couple hundred bucks, I think, it, I mean, if you use my name, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast, shoot me an email, chief Lasky at gmail.com. Um, and I'll send you the information uh, I pushed this, buddy. You remember this for years. Uh, I wanted a Netflix for firefighters um, where you could just go, you know, and not just access John Salka's videos or Rick Lasky's videos, but you can go to this video streaming library you subscribe to, and you get, you access hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos. And we've done, you know, Champ's got some basic. Uh, Mike Champo's got some some back to basics on there. I've got and, some. And the, and the, I mean, the inventory just oh. on this single topic of, of this video library, right? The inventory is unbelievable. The 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 uh, the presenters, the trainers, are unbelievable. Most of them, or a great many of them, well known well known trainers that you see on the stages at all the big shows yeah. around the country, and then and then a whole host of other folks that are that are excellent instructors too. That are that are, I don't want to say not as well known, but the the point is the inventory there is gigantic from tactics to forcible entry and leadership and, you know, engine work and truck work. And you could watch a different one every night for a couple of years. Oh, and John, it's, it's nice as it's just like Netflix where you can stop, resume, play it again, restart, watch it hundreds of times. And it's a yearly subscription. You can do an individual one, which is pretty cheap for yourself. I, I have it. I watch it. I watch videos when I'm on the airplanes, um, when I'm flying around my hotel room. Um, <clears throat> and then, for the career side, um, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you've got, you've got for your, you know, tons and tons of videos to watch while you're on shift or for your volunteer, you know, your training night or whatever, regardless, like I said, well, your volunteer career firefighter doesn't matter. We've said it before, a firefighter is a firefighter, but it, it, it's so, it, you just renew your subscription every year. And whether that's the personal one, like I mentioned, or the um, department one, 
and the department one comes down if you, if you if you use my name as the discount because uh, we pushed this long enough and it was a dream come true for me to have that available out there. I subscribed to our John for when I was interim chief and in trophy club. Um, you know, and anything new, like when our, when one of our videos came out, when it was new five alarm leadership, it was put right away posted new release by chief John South and chief Rick Lasky. And uh, anyway, not to go too long on this, that's another option. If you want any information on that, email me and I'll send you the information, but it's a phenomenal program for a pretty cheap subscription. And you, you as long as you have the internet, you can, and, and I was going to say, John, one of my buddies, a volunteer chief upside, out, up outside Calgary, Canada, and he's got like 40 members. And he says, well, how many users do I get with the department subscription? I said, well, initially you get five. But if you need more like people, more, more like um, license, if you will, whatever it is, it's not like a 150, 250 Microsoft or whatever license. They're $5 a piece. And you know what he did? He goes, well, I've got 40 members. So I'm just going to buy the other 35 each five dollars each he goes because hey, i have guys that travel in the hotels and so he just paid he, he paid to have all his guys on it so anyway there's that um golly there's so many apps and now right now john with this virus going on have you seen how many places are doing they're doing actually free online training there's some of our groups of guys that are saying you know let's give back right now and uh you can join us you know they're doing online or they're doing groups where you can you can join in as some of them are saying, I promise you my word. The one point I wanted to make about video training, whether it's the current video training, whether there's something special going on because of the uh, condition that's going on right now, or whether it's just looking at the fire engineering uh, uh, tapes, uh, videos rather. Um, the one thing I want to warn people, uh, and, and, and I, I would imagine everybody that's listening probably already knows this, but don't get caught up in the, in the, in the TV, in the recording, right. in the video uh, world and never get out there and do it. Some people start right. watching videos every week and checking them off. And okay, we, we did forceful entry or we did, or we did K tool. All right, we're going to do aerial ladder operations now. And, and, and then you end up being the guy that's, that's seen a hundred tapes and, and you, and you can't find a halogen on the apparatus because you've never been down there yet. You know? So m my point, and I'm sure you would agree with me and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would agree as well. You know, any good training that you find anywhere Always, 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 whether it's reading, whether it's a magazine, a monthly magazine, whether it's you go to a seminar and you sit down and listen to Rick Lasky talk for three hours about pride and ownership, whether it's a, a, a fire engineering, you know, video library, whatever it is, you must always add a realistic element to that. You must always, always marry that up to going out and doing whatever it was you saw or you were introduced to or it was explained to you on that video or at that class. Because some people take notes, some people listen well, some people learn a lot of stuff, but you always have to actually start touching the stuff and working and, and using the tools and starting a saw and climbing a ladder. It's a whole different set of skills. You know, the, the class and the video are going to give you the mental tools, but you got to get out there and actually do it as well. I agree with you 100%. We've said that before, you know, we've talked about that before in classes and in, in, in our shows about, you know, there's, there's a lot of Facebook, we could call it social media, the big Facebook firefighters or video firefighters. And, and, and we, we talk about how great YouTube is as a learning tool, but, but it should be, it should be just that, right? Uh, it should be a tool where, you know, I, I like the guys that watch a video, John, and then they go out and do it. They're like, you know, it's kind of like instructor one, you know, <clears throat> how, how you learn best by seeing, seeing while, while explaining, seeing while doing, you know, putting your hands on stuff you know what right the old instructor one class obviously without getting without 
mandating or, you know, making every single step exactly how we, you know, say it should be. That certainly is the best to start a training session inside in the firehouse or in the classroom, view a half an hour video about forceful entry. And then, okay, guys, get your stuff and let's meet outside and then pick up the tools the same evening, the same session, the same afternoon and go to the forceful entry simulator or whatever it is you're going to do and actually and actually practice the skill that you just viewed or just listened to on, on the television. Absolutely. Exactly. And like I said, not, not to belabor, but that's like what we learned, like I said, instructor a long time ago by, Hey, let's explain this, you know, and maybe show a video clip or you do a quick PowerPoint presentation to accent what you're doing because we don't want death by PowerPoint, but you know what I'm saying? Here you go. Okay, yeah. guys, let's go back out and, and let's do I know some guys that have done that with hose loads for new firefighters. They've said, look, where, you know, this is, you know, there's a video on how to rebed this hose and then they go out and they do it over and over again. And that, and then it's available on the department computers where, or even if they post it on their, their, their access for their, for their volleys or their career guys down where another volunteer or another career guy can go into the, on their phone even and watch a real quick snippet. Go, oh, okay, crap. That's how I'm supposed to do that. Run back out there and fix the fold or fix the cross light. You know, and, and you know what's good about that? That brings us to, to not to the next, but to another topic, very, very related is <clears throat> training props and the actual training session. So to say that you're going to watch a, a forceful entry video, one of the old Tom Brennan ones, right? Tom Brennan's were great. Um, watch a forceful entry video. Okay, guys, let's go out to the apparatus floor now. Now, so what are you going to do out there besides pick up a tool? Maybe you go to a couple of doors between the apparatus floor and the closet, between the apparatus floor and the meeting room. Maybe you can stand there and just show, physically show, how the fork would go in. It would go in right about here. And how would you strike it, even though, obviously, you're not going to force these doors. These are the firehouse doors. So it brings me to the, to the topic of training props and training equipment. And it's hard for me to believe that there are places that don't have training props available to them. You just mentioned hose. I know a couple of places that built a hose bed training prop with some of the old busted up hose that's got holes in it. They pack it in there. They can be stretching hose, pulling hose, packing hose. They get a run. They just drop it, get on the rig and drive away. They're not pulling, they're not pulling the hose off the rig. So, you know, a forceful entry door, a little roof cutting panel, or something as simple as a, a couple of pallets. You see some pallets laying on the side of the road or in a factory. You ask them if you can take them. Sure. There's your little roof cutting, you know, uh, prop for, for the next drill night or for the next shift that you work. So, you know, training is good and hands-on training is good, but you got to put some time and effort into hands-on to make it actual, to make it realistic. Well, exactly. So, so, so I guess what we've been talking about is, is just a couple ideas, first off, on how to get past uh, being, being uh, house, house grounded, under house arrest with the, with the coronavirus going on right now. And how to get some training to your people, and and you know most good firefighters, <clears throat> again are gonna, are going to figure that stuff out, John. With everything, like I said, you got firehouse.com, fireengineering.com, you got firefighter nation. There are so many hell fire engineering's training uh, uh, group. The training, if you have, I mean, you can go to that. That's free. People share powerpoints, they share videos. We talked about YouTube and all those different things. <clears throat> and then, like you said, having the props, whether it's a ventilation prop, whether it's a force entry door you know, an SCBA maze. I mean, there's so many different things. And, you know, and, and again, there you go, John, you can go to YouTube. There are YouTube videos on how to build an SCBA maze, how to build a roof ventilation prop, how to, you know, there's videos out there that guys are sharing the information on, on props and, and things. So now we've taken, 
let's say we talked briefly about taking the classroom portion, maybe video instruction portion, maybe some of the chat room portions and stuff like that, the online stuff. We talked about in the training room at the Valley, our Valley House or at our career place. Then we go out on the floor, out back, or to our training field, whatever you have, out back to the firehouse. How we had a burglar bar prop on the back of our firehouse to be able to cut simulated bars with rebar and stuff. Whatever it is you go out and do, you've got that. But I guess, I guess what I want to ask you, John, is, and, and this is different, I know, between career and volunteer departments. And, and again, we're both volunteer and career firefighters, and, and, and a firefighter is a firefighter. We love them both. But there are some differences in requirements. You being a volunteer chief, let me just ask you, South Blooming Grove is a great fire department. I've been there. It's a great firehouse. Um, I, I appreciate them housing my future antique ladder truck. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, host, you know, housing it there. But what are some of the requirements, I guess? Because that, that comes up a lot about, right, about, you know, what do we require career guys versus volunteer guys? And, and you know, and I know I used to teach a class on it, but, you know, what, what's realistic and what's not and, and so on and so forth. I know it goes state by state, but what do you guys do in South Blooming Grove requirement-wise for your volunteers? Well, in, in New York State, to be an interior structural firefighter, you have to take Firefighter 1. Uh, recently, uh, maybe it wasn't so recently, but in the past year or so, I think they changed it again. Uh, the folks that write the books and, and, and design the classes like changing titles all the time. Used to be essentials when I used to teach it years ago. Then it, then it became uh-huh. firefighter one. And I know we were doing essentials when others had firefighter one in other states. A little bit of a problem, the fact that every state has their own standards because a lot of them don't don't jive. They don't match right, up with right. each other, you know. Well, you guys, I mean, let me interrupt. You guys actually, I mean, re- require firefighter one. There's a lot of states, John, and I'll just say spe- specifically for their volunteers that that have no requirements. And And I won't say that's tragic. I'm just saying... Wow. You know, I mean, it, you know, nowadays with so many shared resources, right, with so many states that states that actually say, here, take our Firefighter One program. Here's everything you need to run your own Firefighter One program, except the people. You know, you know what I'm saying? The hardest part is always the structure, right? The, right. the objectives and lesson plans and testing documents and, you know, stuff that you could take as your state and then roll it into your fire departments and say, look, whether it's mandatory or not, here it is. So there's really no longer the excuse that it, it's too hard to make it happen because we don't have the resources because people share, share their shit all the time. So you guys actually have it pretty cool that they actually, you already have to be a firefighter one to be a volunteer. I'm sorry, go ahead, buddy. Well, you have, you have to do firefighter one to be an interior. Interior, right. We have people that join that are not going to be interior firefighters. They, they're physically not fit, but they want to come around and they want to help. They do want to be a member. And they can be a member. They can be an exterior. And we actually, New York State actually has an exterior firefighter class. If you're well, not going to be an interior firefighter, they have an exterior firefighter class that you can take, and it gives you the skills and stuff that you need to be operating outside the building. You know, think, think about that. How how valuable is that? Because you know, a lot of places. You know, we've said this before. There's a lot of places that, well, you know, you're up there in age now, and you can't really wear an air pack. So we want to. Here's your plaque. And thanks for all your years. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You don't mean you can't use him or her as a safety officer to change bottles. To 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 some guys, let them do like they throw ladders or they do laws they're not in it's inside. You know, uh, filling bottles, um, uh, pumping, driving, running tanker shuttles. I mean, oh my God, you, you've got these these invaluable resources out there, and your members. 
don't push them out the door just because they can't go inside. So I'm, again, another hats off to you guys in your state, the New York state for recognizing the importance of having people that can still come and, and volunteer. Hell, you know, right. We're talking about recruitment attention problems over the fire service. And there's some places they run you out of the fire service because you can't go inside anymore. Instead of saying, well, we're just going to shift your, your responsibilities um, to an exterior firefighter. I think that's a great idea, buddy. And, and if you think about it, and it's not just volunteer, but I think it applies, obviously, way more to volunteers. You know, the typical volunteer fire department, you know, it's not 48 engine in the Bronx doing 6,000 rounds of structural fires every week. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're, they're doing a lot of work that you have to be an interior firefighter for, but they're also doing a lot of work that you don't. Every MVA out on the highway, you don't have to be an interior structural firefighter to do that. Every, every extrication call, you know, uh, a lot of uh, uh, monitoring calls where, you know, there's, there's a gas leak, it smells inside, it smells outside. Somebody, can, you know, there's, there's all these different operations that we get involved in, emergencies and things of that nature, medical calls that you don't need to be an interior structural firefighter. So, so the fact that, uh, you know, the state of New York, at least, I don't know how, who else has it, recognizes that as a valuable, uh, as a valuable person on, on, in the fire department. And it opens up a whole group of people that might not otherwise volunteer. And you can, you can staff a rig with them. And I realize you can't put a fire out with them. I mean, you can't go in and put a fire out with them. Even places that are rural that have a lot of barns or vacant buildings or outside fires or even brush fires, you, you have a lot of people that can do a lot of, a lot of jobs for you, even if they're not interior structural firefighters. So, the, again, it's, it's just another one of the training options that you have that you should definitely be thinking about. Well, and I know some states have, like, 20-hour requirements. I've seen some for volunteers um, where it's like 10 hours of classroom, 10 hours of, of, of hands-on, which, you know, to, to, to a lot of other people, they may go, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. But, you know, for, and I'll just say, John, you know, what is it? Probably 80%, give or take, are still volunteer departments out of the almost 40,000 fire departments in the United States alone, let alone our brothers and sisters up in Canada, you know. Um, so let me, and I, just answer me this. How many drill nights does South Blooming Grove host a month? Well, we have, we have a drill every Wednesday night. So it's every, every single Wednesday night, the firehouse is open, the parking lot's full, the doors are open, the, the rigs are running, the lights are on, they're checking, obviously, everything mechanical on all the rigs. They check that it's full of fuel, full of water, that the thing starts up, that all the lights are working and rotating, et cetera, et cetera. All the SCBA are checked, any bottles that are down or have been used are, are refilled and things are washed and cleaned. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very busy evening. And then when they get done with that work, then, then they jump into a drill or a training session with, you know, inside, well, outside, whatever it might be. Exactly. So, you, so you've got that. So you're doing, you have the capability of, of four or five nights of training, depending on weeks, a month, if you make every drill, if you, if you don't. And I guess where I'm going with this, there's some departments, some places where one week is just their meeting, you know, their monthly meeting, the other weeks are their weekly training, and, and you say you have to make half of that. So realistically, if you add it up, how many hours a year, you know, and, and it is, a, it, I think it is a genuine recruitment and retention issue when you have volunteers that have full-time careers, sometimes two jobs, you know, family commitments like the rest of us, and they're still trying to make their meetings at their night. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to place a, 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 don't get me wrong, you know how much we both love training, how training is the backbone behind everything, but I think it's it's a it's a it's it's a delicate line you have to 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 walk that you don't push people out. I guess where I'm going with this, you've seen this, where great career guys, great career guys, you know, get involved with their local volunteer department. Okay, 
and when they, they maybe make lieutenant or captain or train officer or chief, and they start writing training requirements for their volunteers that we all get excited about, but I don't think they're realistic on a volunteer side, John, because, you know, and again, we both love our, our, our we're very partial and, and, and very much love our volunteers. You know, I don't think you can place the same, you can't, you can't place the same requirements time-wise. No, um, and you really you don't have to, because, I mean, even if you just look at the very rough numbers, if, if a volunteer firefighter in a, in, in a small company made two drills a month, every other one, he makes every other one, you know, two times 12, right? That's 24. That's 24 sessions that he made out of whatever they had for the year. And each one is at least, at least two hours. So let's just make it two hours. So that's, so that's 24 times two. That's, that's practically 50 hours of training right there. You know, there's a lot of places that have for career people, 100 hours a year. And here's 50 right off the bat for, for a young or an older or whatever it is, a busy volunteer firefighter who only makes half the drills, he's going to make almost 50 hours a year, never mind runs and stuff like that. So I think that's a decent amount. I think that's an acceptable number, you know? Yeah. And for the longest time, you know, on, on the career side, you know, ISO, which is important to a lot of people, that's your insurance rating for your businesses and your, your citizens out there. Um, you know, they would try to mirror what the NFPA required, which for the longest time was 240 hours. And you can actually, you know, look up to, you know, the professional qualifications for firefighter it used to be like 1001 or whatever it was. Um, and you could see all the different topics they wanted you to, they actually want you to do a couple pub ed talks, which are like firehouse tours. And then so much training hose and ladders and all the different topics and stuff. Cause there's gotta be something out there, right? There's gotta be something out there as kind of a standard as a guideline, if you will. And that, that's, that's what they are. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, I guess it comes down to, you know, we've said this before, I think a lot of our company officers, great men and women, but sometimes maybe we get a little complacent or lazy and we don't document. It's one thing to, you know, you do all your training that, that maybe the training division sends out that this is what we want you to cover this month. And then Captain Salka goes out with 48 engine and he does, he does training on top of that, you know, or they stop and they walk through a building that's under renovation or a building that's under construction or PT or what, or they go out back and they're, they're playing with a new prop. And I think a lot of, a lot of our guys and gals, John, I think very innocently forget to record those training events. And it's actually jipping our, our people, jipping our men and women out of hours. You know, I used to say, look, if you stop by and you're walking through that, that house in this subdivision and you're looking at the, the pipe chases and the floor and whatever, you know what I'm saying? How it's put together uh, before they, they button it up with the sheetrock, um, you know, or you're walking through that building's being renovated or, you know, you went out back and you, you looked at set, set, set Taylor, put together a new forcible entry door prop. And you, you know, how many times you've seen that or you're, you're, or maybe you're making rounds as a BC and you tell your lieutenants, Hey, make sure you put this down. Oh crap. I for, or you, you know what I'm saying? I think we forget. And I want to say out of laziness. I, I know there's people out there lazy, but the majority of the fire service is not. I think right. they just forget to jot this stuff down. And I think once you start doing that, John, you start to see the training hours I'm not talking fabricated, fabricated stuff. I'm talking you start to see the train hours kind of grow in numbers just because lieutenants and captains are actually putting down what they did with their guys. And there's nothing I'll wrong you, with it, right? I'll tell you another, another thing that we do at Sapelman Grove, and lots of places do it. Um, we, we, have a whole separate, um, we have a whole separate list of training requirements for company officers. So if a young firefighter is on the company for two, three, four, maybe five years, and he's thinking, gee, 
lieutenant spots opening up. A guy just retired, moved to Florida, and there's a, there's an opening now. And I think I'm gonna get it nominated. You know, it's it, it's elections. It's I'm not a fan of of elections for officer selection, but but it is. But to to soften it, to give it some validity, years ago, got to be almost 20 years ago now, they added training requirements. So if you want to be an engine lieutenant in South Bloom Grove Fire Department, you've got to have a company officer, fire officer one. You know, on top of your stuff that you already have as a firefighter, you have to have fire officer one, you have to have engine operations, and, and there's a third one. And if you want to be a truck officer, you have to have the same thing. Fire officer one, truck, truck company operations, and like emergency vehicle operations. So we have a whole little, a whole little list. There's only two or three programs per, per rank. If you want to make captain, then you got to get into the ICS stuff. And it changes over the years as, as requirements change and as standards change, we change it a little bit. But the point is, as you go up through the ranks, you've got to continue to train and get some more training before you're even eligible to run for the office, which is a good, there's a good motivator right there. Well, how do you, so the yes is, how do you answer, you know, you've seen the posts where once, you know, somebody, I think some of this might be just people kind of either inexperienced or lacking some of the research when they go, you know, all these requirements, you know, for volunteers or even career guys, it's getting so hard where we're running people out the door or we can't meet the requirements and all that stuff. And, and there are, I mean, there's so much hazmat wise and, you know, maybe rescue wise and structure stuff, but um, we already said it kind of varies from state to state, you know, I mean, and, and, and we've kind of talked about this already, but let me, let me get my John Salka answer here. What do you say to those guys that say, you know, what do I do? You know, there's too many requirements or, you know, we can't train this or train. I mean, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I guess my, my question is, you know, cause you're, you're, you're pretty open about things. What do you say to them when they, they tell you they're having a hard time meeting well, requirements or running people out the door or whatever? Right. You know, in a volunteer fire department, obviously the, not the problem, but the unique situation is nobody's getting paid there. No, no, nobody's bringing a check home. Nobody's been able to, get anything for their family it's it's a public service thing right the community service so so having said that people that are there want to be involved they're there because they want to serve and they want to they want to you know do the right thing and you can't make it too hard now if the state or the county or the, even the department has requirements that make it hard obviously there's got to be some wiggle room in there any kind right. of rule you have you go to you go to the you go to the post office you're having trouble you tell them i, I want to see the manager i want to see the boss they bring the boss out you go to the motor vehicle department and, and, and the woman behind the counter that's giving you a hard time, you say, you know what, I want to see a supervisor right now. There's always somebody in any kind of business that can type in a couple of numbers and, and, and give you an exemption, give you, a, you know, get you, get you off light on something. So the point is, I think the same thing is true in the fire department. It depends on people's personal situation, what they're doing, if they have a positive attitude, if they're really trying. And I've had plenty of guys that didn't, that didn't quite have the right requirements to run for officer. Now, nobody else was running against them that had the right ones. So we let them run anyway. We told them, listen, between now and next year, you got to go and get that class. Get it under your belt. And then next year when you run, you'll have it legit and there'll be no problem. And most of them do that. So sometimes you got to work with folks, especially in the volunteer fire service. You got to give them a little room. You got to give them, give them a little leeway. Give them, give them some extra time. And then, of course, if you know that the guy, well, the guy owns a hardware store in town. He's got five or ten employees and he's really working hard. And he's opening up another store in the next town. And, you don't want to say, well, you want to be a hardware store guy, you want to be a firefighter. I mean, don't do that. Right. If the guy still wants to be a member, sometimes you got to work with him and, give him, get, and tell him, hey, listen, you're going to run short on your points for this year. We have a LOSAP, a uh, length of service awards program in New York State where you have to make a certain amount of points for the year. And it works towards giving you a monetary 
sort of pension system when you get to be 62 years old. Sometimes people run short on that 50 points. Now that's 50 points for the year. It's really pretty hard to run short on 50 points. But if we get to October, November, and we see a guy is five or six or seven short, and we don't think he's going to make it on runs, we tell him, you know what? You, you need to make up seven points. I suggest you come down. There's some work needs to be done down in the firehouse. Here's the list of stuff. We're going to put it on a bulletin board. Uh, the rig compartment's got to be cleaned. This rig has to, has to be waxed. This closet has to be emptied and, and, and refilled back up properly and reorganized. If you, if you do each of those jobs, you get another point. And then, you, get, you know, so you can help people make their points just like you can help people get classes under their belt or you can help people stay involved even if maybe they ran a little bit short. You got to be able to work with people. Well, and, and the same thing goes on the career side too, right? With, with having, I'll go back to realistic training requirements and, and, and allowing your people. Um, I, I, we've said it for years. Training has always been one of our favorite parts of the day. Um, and, you know, I mean, nobody want, you know, nobody looks forward to go, okay, let's go sit through the mandatory drug awareness class, which we did, you know, whatever we do every year, which is, I understand there's a, there's a need for that, but it's not the same as forcing a door or throwing ladders or something like that. But um, I, I, we've said it before, training is the backbone behind every successful fire department, every successful firefighter, knowing your job, you know, the, the whole uh, muscle memory thing, the more we do it, the better we get, the quicker we get, and, you know, speed comes with, with efficiency. Efficiency comes through training and repetition, um, you know, getting out there and doing anything. And I'll just say, John, look at, I, I, selfishly, look at the people we hang with. If you look at the Mike Wilbers and you, and you look at the Scott Thompsons and the Terry McGrath's and you, and you look at, you know, Ryan Fetzer, the, the volunteer chief at Wichita West. And, you know, if you look at the different departments, Louisville, you know, FDY Chicago, you look at the places, you look at our, the guys we run with, the Mike Dugans and all them. The, the one thing that, that I guess really centers around all of us is we love to train. We always have, you know, the, the guys, remember John, we used to bring our guys to FDIC every year. You know, we had 26 instructors between two, two of us for 200 and sometimes 50, 280 uh, students for hands-on training on Monday and another group on Tuesday. And every one of the guys that taught with us loved doing it. They loved training. They either loved teaching it or they loved going to drills. You know I mean? Yeah, and and I, not to embarrass you, but I love the one post I saw at, at the Teeks Leadership Development Series. We both taught there with another great training institution, uh, you know, another one right, selfishly right here in Texas, but people come from all over the world for it. But I remember somebody taking, they, had, they took a picture of you. You didn't know they took it. They were sitting like behind you. You were in the front row with your notepad. You'd already taught, you'd already done your lecture. You're in your coat and tie. You're sitting in the front row taking notes at someone else's lecture. And, and I was, at first I kind of laughed because this guy goes, God, you know, even Chief Salk is sitting in the front row taking notes, learning and I laughed because two reasons. I went, well, that's what he does. That's what we do. And then I went, well, you know why? Because not that many, you know, when people are done. And, and they're, look at you and I say it, and we, we're always very complimentary to the chiefs, the chief of departments that show up at some of our training sessions in uniform, John, sit there the whole freaking time when we know how busy they are. But, and, and I go, some guys right now are going to be screaming at me for saying it, but there's a lot of shit you got to do as a fire chief. And you know, when you see that and you see fire chiefs that are involved with their people, we, we've talked about it with the battalion chiefs that make the rounds or show up at drills or actually teach one once in a while. You know, that's the one thing, John, again, not to embarrass you, but when I, when I read that post and I'm like, I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, yeah, that's John. John, he loves training. He loves classes. I wasn't surprised. And then I had to step back and go, because a lot of people don't see that. So if you're one of our listeners, 
and you're one of your lieutenants or captains or, or a chief or a trainee or whatever, you know, just teaching, just doing drills, just putting the calendar out does not make for a great boss or a great company officer or make for a well-educated, experienced firefighter. It's get down there doing it. And so you gotta stay it, China, there you should know, be. You got to gotta stay relevant. You, yeah. You know, you just can't, just because you're a boss now, and, and you've said it a million times in class, who gets the least training? The farther up the line you go, the, the least training uh, that's available, right? And right. I, and I, I must admit, when you're the fire chief or, or a deputy chief or somewhere up, you know, somewhere up the ladder, I know the last thing on your mind is forcible entry or smoke movement. You know what I'm saying? You got a lot of stuff to do. You're an administrative chief. You got a lot of administrating to do, but you still got to stay relevant. You still got to know what's going on down at the bottom end of your organization where they're delivering, where they're delivering the service to the people, which, which our friend Alan Brunacini would remind you all the time. That's what this is all about. It's all about them. It's all about Mrs. Smith. It's all about the customers, the visitors, the workers, the people that are in our community. You know, they're the ones that dial the phone and say, help, I need somebody to come here and help me with something. That's what we got to be ready to do. And that's really what well, training is all about. Exactly. And, and, and you know, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of our program here for today, but, um, <clears throat> you know, we've said it for years. And I'll go back to 48 Engine in the Bronx with you, never dipping under 6,000 runs a year, going to fires every day. And yet it was a, it was a rarity for your guys to not do something for training that day. It was rare. And if it was, if it was all those days where you're running nonstop, it was at the top of your list as a captain on next workday. So even the busiest of fire departments still find a way to train or have a tabletop discussion or just something. You come back and you sit down and you talk tactics or you go out and you do something or whatever, you know, and, and again, John, I'll just say it. You and I love hanging with people, love training, and we kind of joke about it. We love we we love that clip from that that very serious movie. We were soldiers with Mel Gibson, but that point that that movie where he's talking to the new lieutenants and captains, and and my friend, you know, Colonel Bruce Crandall, um, he dips that helicopter, you know, kind of pulls up and then flies away, salutes him and flies away, and that line in there about you know where he gets the whole thing is this, he goes, I really hope that you love training. Because Sergeant Plumley and me, we love it. And I mean, it, right? I mean, here, here's a guy that's a colonel, United States Army combat veteran, and he's going, and we love it because training is the backbone behind everything we do. So really, there, when we talk about do you train, there's really no excuse for no one to not train, right? I mean, there's no, there's no excuse. We talked about all the online stuff that's available at, at firehouse.com, fireengineering.com, Firefighter Nation, the video streaming library. Again, give me a shout at, at my email if you want information on that. Things you share. I mean, all oh, simple God, stuff you yeah. can do right at the kitchen table with a crew of three. You know, yeah, we didn't even we didn't even talk about that. Sims, you share. We we in the past we talked on our fourth century show about Tommy Shavino with the the milk crates full of old locks and, and mechanisms, and it was snowing with Jesus or whatever. You're at the kitchen table with 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 the K tool or with you know with the keys opening. I mean, just you know what? If you've got good bosses and you've got people into the job. I don't think training is a problem at all. What we need to ask those, I think John out there of those people is to, is to spread that energy, right? Get, get lead by example. Remember your circle of influence and, and suck more of those people sitting on the, on the fence or some of the young guys that don't even know yet. These young guys, again, it's okay to train. Boom. Suck them into your circle where they're like, they're doing that uh, cap uh, or, or John, Hey, the cap drill busy stuff. How about we go, we go out and work on this or show me that tool again. You know, I've seen it in your firehouses a bunch of times, and Louisville was legendary for it, with taking time to train their people. So you've got that. 
we talked about the hands-on and building props and, and, you know, the videos are out there on how to watch, you know, people, they, they'll walk you through how to build your own props. All right. The training calendars, you know, your regular stuff and making sure folks, you record everything you do with your people. You got, if, it, if you don't record, it didn't happen. It don't, and I know you're doing it very innocently, but I, again, don't fabricate, just make shit up. But if you stop and you walk through buildings, you're talking building construction, or you do something extra, jot it down. Give you, you'd be shocked at the end of the year how many hours your people have. Volunteer or career, even the volley places, John. There's times, guys, I've been to volunteer firehouses. We end up doing something, you know, just talking after a class or whatever, and nobody, like, gave people hours for it. I'm like, God, we just did a whole other hour or two or hour and a half on a hose load and nobody recorded it for your own for your own folks, you know. So so make sure, guys and gals, you're recording this stuff for the people that work for you. Keep your requirements realistic. I know there's mandates, there's ISO requirements, NFPA guidelines, and so so forth. But at the same time, make sure they're realistic so you can, you know, you, it, it, like we said before, when it came to fire apparatus, make sure it meets what your your, your own community, your community needs. Make sure your requirements meet what your department can fulfill and what they can do, but don't use, you know, anything as an excuse for not training at all. Um, and then, John, I'm, I'll, I'll finish with this. You know, make sure they're working with their state associations. You mentioned, I mean, New York State Chiefs with Sue, what an incredible resource, what an incredible lady. I love her. Um, you know, we've, in Texas, we've got, you know, the Texas Fire Chiefs. We've got the fire, tex, you know, the, the fire Marshals Association. We've got the State Firemen's Association. We've got, I mean, Teeks, there, I mean, there are so many groups out there, um, forget even the I, you know, I Chiefs and IFF uh, or the National Volunteer Fire Council. There's so many associations out there, John, that you can work with that, that have, have information. Some even have grants that'll help you train, uh, you know, provide you funding for it. So there's a lot of people out there that can help you um, either establish the requirements. We said this before. Folks, it's out there. The stuff's out there. The lesson plans, everything you need to have programs in your own department. Uh, you know, my buddy Jeff Bryant, uh, John, just shared everything. I sent him an email. Jeff Bryant's the chief in, in Amboy, Illinois, folks. Amboy, A-M-B-O-I, Illinois, Volunteer Fire Department, one of the role model fire departments for, for the United States and Canada. And and John, uh, had a guy email me. He's, he's looking to kind of standardize the training in his volunteer department, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. And I just put him to Jeff and Jeff, he sent them like 30 documents. He sent them everything from their probing manual to their yearly training calendars to the stuff they, he sent them everything. It's like, just change the names, you know, the name, the names on, on each page to your own department and modify it. It's yours. So what I'm getting at is here's another guy, Chief Jeff Bryan from Amboy, Illinois. There's more, there's, there's, there's a ton of Jeffs out there, right? That are willing to share their stuff. Are there not, John? Absolutely. All over the place. Uh, I start out on Long Island, there's a, but there's a great, a great base of volunteer fire chiefs out there, and uh, the, and they're all over. I'm up in Orange County now. You're down in Texas. You've been in, you've been in uh, Idaho. You've been in you know Illinois. We both been we both in a bunch of places, and there's there's great people in the fire service everywhere. And those are the folks you want to emulate. Those are the folks that that you want to hook onto and and be like. Well, hey buddy, if they want to get a hold of you for. Uh... For, for, for a class or for some information, what's the best route? We always talk about this email, right? Sure. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm at Chief Lasky at gmail.com. And hopefully, uh, I, this is another great conversation. God, we talk, we start off with talking about do you train. 
and uh, we pretty much ran through <laughs> everything from from props to requirements to uh and I know we probably could have done eight hours on this and not covered everything obviously but um I'll, I'll say this buddy to the people out there that have or are serving as training officers for your departments thank you because I, I John and I both know what it takes to do that and uh it takes someone special that has a lot of heart and a lot of love for the job to really want to make sure your department's the best of the best because this just ain't about delivering newspapers. You know, this is about keeping people alive in the firehouse and taking care of those people out there we said we're supposed to take care of. So that being said, you got anything, John, before we close things out? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. So, hey, we always ask you at the end of these shows to please keep the men and women in your, in your thoughts and prayers that are serving our forces. Keep our law enforcement family in your thoughts and prayers. And especially right now with everything going on with the coronavirus uh a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of people facing hardship, a lot of people facing uh, terrible times, horrific times in their own families. Uh, please, please, you know, we're, we're a great country. We're going to come back. We're going to be kicking ass and taking names later on again, like we always do. And, and we're going to rebound from this. The one thing I'll say to our fire service folks that are listening in, thank you. God bless you. You are the backbone behind everything's right. Everything is right in our communities. And you stand that post even through times like this. So with that, We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you joining us. Take care of yourself. God bless you.